This program is presented by Birch Gold Group, the precious metal IRA specialists. Good morning. Today's headlines, the new rules package for the House passed along party lines yesterday, but not before some hot takes from both sides of the aisle. Documents with classified markings found in one of President Biden's private offices. The office was used when he was VP during the Obama administration. A FISA board member gets Twitter to censor posts related to natural COVID immunity and the low risk for children. The latest Twitter files are hot off the press. Former Brazilian President Bolsonaro hospitalized in Orlando, Florida. President Biden is facing mounting pressure to remove him from the U.S. after protests in Brazil turned destructive. And tens of thousands of people are evacuated from regions across California. President Joe Biden approves emergency declaration for flooding in the state. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. And I'm Evelyn Lee. Good Tuesday morning. It's January 10th and a newly elected House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is settling into his new role now. Republicans role now. Republicans approved their rules package for House governance yesterday. They also passed a bill that rolls back billions of dollars of funding for the IRS. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the GOP's first day exercising their majority. The House will be in order. The new rules package was approved along party lines on a vote of 220 to 213. It allows any individual member to move that the Speaker's chair be vacated. That forces a new vote for a Speaker of the House if adopted. The package also restores the right of individual members to offer amendments to legislation from the floor and requires all members to have 72 hours to read proposed bills before voting. Another aspect is the requirement for bills brought to the floor to cover a single subject. New House Majority Leader Stephen Scalise says the days of bills being written behind closed doors without input from committees and submitted in the dark of night are over. He referenced the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. Mostly borrowed from countries like China. You look at all of the things that had absolutely nothing to do with the general operations of government that were thrown in that. Now, you can start looking at it today, but you surely couldn't look at it the day of the vote because very few people had the opportunity to read it. Over 4,000 pages dumped by dark of night right before the vote. And yes, a majority of this Congress voted by proxy on that bill. They weren't even here. Outgoing Democratic House Rules Committee Chairman Jim McGovern criticized McCarthy for making concessions to win votes and says the Republican Party has been hijacked by an extremist mega-faction. Three seats on the Rules Committee for conservatives, freezing spending at FY 2022 levels, a debt ceiling strategy, coveted committee assignments, and more. Is this what the uh, majority leader meant when he talked about a new day and transparency? McGovern called the package a joke before urging Congress members to vote no. And the icing on the cake? a new subcommittee to push QAnon conspiracies and launch fake investigations into non-existent scandals. What's next? A rule requiring we all wear tinfoil hats? New Rules Committee Chair Representative Tom Cole had a different take on the purpose of the new subcommittee. 
He says it will investigate the weaponization of the federal government, the origin of the coronavirus and the impact from shutdowns, and strategize competition between the U.S. and the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP. To respond to threats posed by the CCP, ensure economic competitiveness for America, and protect human rights. Cole says he's proud of the rules package. He thinks it reflects the priorities of Republicans and the voters that elected them. It ensures that we will hold the Biden administration and the Chinese Communist Party accountable, and it ensures that we will get our fiscal house in order. After forcing the new rules through, Republicans passed their first bill later in the day. The Family and Small Business Taxpayer Protection Act rescinds over $70 billion in funding to the IRS. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. The bill makes good on McCarthy's promise to repeal the 87,000 new IRS agents on the very first day if he took the gavel. It will stop the agency from doubling its workforce forced to conduct new audits. It leaves funding for customer service and IT service upgrades in place. The Congressional Budget Office says the bill will add $114 billion to the federal deficit over 10 years. And leaders from the U.S., Mexico and Canada met for talks amid tensions that have divided the continent. During one tense exchange, Mexico's president challenged President Biden. On Tuesday, President Biden, Mexico's president and Canada's prime minister are meeting for a series of talks. The North American Leaders Summit, often called the Three Amigos Summit, will touch upon climate issues, trade, migration and other mutual concerns. I'm also going to discuss our shared security, including our joint action to address the, the plague of fentanyl, which has killed 100,000 Americans so far, and how we can tackle, tackle irregular migration, which I think we're well on our way to doing. Last week, the U.S. and Mexico reached an agreement on a major shift in migration policy. The U.S. and Mexico will each accept 30,000 immigrants from Cuba, Nicaragua, Haiti and Venezuela. Those entering the U.S. will need sponsors, background checks and an airline flight to the U.S. and will get the ability to work legally in the country for two years. On Monday before the summit began, President López Obrador said he would consider accepting more migrants than previously announced. The Mexican president criticized Biden for what he considers a lack of commitment to Latin America. I hold that this is the moment for us to determine to do away with this abandonment, this disdain and this forgetfulness for Latin America and the Caribbean. President Biden responded. You know, the United States provides more foreign aid than every other country just about combined in the world uh, to uh, not just the hemisphere but around the world. Unfortunately, our responsibility just doesn't end in the Western Hemisphere. The centerpiece of the summit is a meeting between all three leaders, which will follow a bilateral meeting between Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on Tuesday. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. President Biden came under some new scrutiny yesterday. It was revealed he kept potentially classified documents at his office during his time as vice president. The Justice Department is now reviewing the batch of documents with classified markings. They were discovered in one of his private offices in Washington, D.C. in early November last year. Biden's lawyers say they found the government materials while closing out the office in a locked closet. Biden used the office during his relationship with the University of Pennsylvania. He was an honorary professor there from 2017 to 2019. Biden only smiled when asked about the documents yesterday. Any comment on the documents, sir? Yes. 
Biden was critical of former President Trump over documents with classified markings found in the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago. He commented, how could anyone be that irresponsible? And Biden special counsel Richard Sauber says the attorneys alerted the White House counsel's office immediately, who then notified the National Archives and Records Administration. Sauber says they took custody of the documents the next day. Trump responded to the discovery on Truth Social, saying, when is the FBI going to raid the many homes of Joe Biden, perhaps even the White House? A Pfizer board member pressured Twitter to censor posts on natural immunity to COVID and the low COVID risk for children. That's what the latest Twitter files by Alex Berenson show. Entity's Daniel Monahan has more on the tech giant's response to COVID. The The board member is Dr. Scott Gottlieb. He previously served as FDA commissioner from 2017 to 2019. In August of 2021, he reached out to Twitter's executive, Todd O'Boyle. He wanted O'Boyle to ask Twitter to censor a post from Dr. Brett Girard, himself a former FDA commissioner. Girard had written that it was clear natural immunity or post-infection immunity is superior to vaccine immunity by a lot, pointing to an Israeli study. He added that there was no scientific justification to require proof of COVID-19 vaccination if a person had natural immunity, advising those with no prior infection to get vaccinated. Gottlieb claimed that those kind of posts were corrosive. He said Girard was drawing a, quote, sweeping conclusion off a single retrospective study in Israel that hasn't been peer-reviewed. The study was later published in the journal Clinical Infectious Diseases following peer review. A Twitter analyst who reviewed the post determined it did not violate any misinformation rules. However, Twitter still put a tag on it, claiming to all users who viewed it that it was misleading and preventing people from replying to, sharing, or liking it. Gottlieb later messaged O'Boyle again. This time he flagged a post from Justin Hart, a critic of lockdowns and a COVID-19 vaccine skeptic. Hart's post said, quote, Sticks and stones may break my bones, but a viral pathogen with a child mortality rate of less than zero has cost our children nearly three years of schooling. Studies and data show that COVID-19 poses little mortality risk to young, healthy people. Gottlieb did not detail why he wanted to censor Hart, but the objection came shortly before the U.S. government authorized and recommended Pfizer's vaccine for children age 5 to 11. Gottlieb responded to this installment of the Twitter files on Twitter saying, quote, The selective disclosure of my private communications with Twitter stokes the threat environment. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. The lead author of a peer-reviewed study that reanalyzed the original Pfizer and Moderna clinical trials for the messenger RNA COVID-19 vaccines is calling for their withdrawal from the market. He posted a video on Twitter drawing attention to the serious adverse effects and possibly connected excess deaths. Dr. Joseph Freeman is an emergency physician in Louisiana who is also a clinical scientist. His original study found that the vaccine increased serious adverse events at a rate of 1 in 800. At the time of the publication, Dr. Freeman and the study co-authors did not believe that their single study warranted the withdrawal of the vaccines from the market. However, he says that multiple new pieces of evidence have come to light, causing him to reevaluate his position. Freeman states that an article published in the BMJ regarding the FDA's own data found the same serious adverse events identified by his study, but he says the FDA has failed to inform the public of these findings. In addition, now we have multiple autopsy studies that find essentially conclusive evidence that the vaccines are inducing sudden cardiac deaths. Many nations 
that have been using the messenger RNA vaccines have experienced an increase in excess mortality, more people dying than should be expected. Nations with higher messenger RNA vaccine uptake have correlations with higher rates of excess mortality. While the cause of this excess mortality is not known, researchers analyzing this data were unable to identify any other reasonable cause of the excess death other than the vaccines. In related news, Louisiana Attorney General Jeff Landry released email evidence showing the White House pressured Facebook to censor Tucker Carlson. A viral video of his related to COVID vaccines was demoted 50% in lieu of a seven-day fact-checking period. However, the Facebook demotion continued even though no so-called fact-checking actually occurred. Former Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro was admitted to a hospital in Florida yesterday. This comes as more than 1,500 Brazilians were rounded up for breaching key government buildings in the capital this weekend. Bolsonaro was suffering intestinal pains. It, it could be related to a stabbing that took place during his 2018 election campaign. His wife, Michelle, posted the news on Instagram. Doctors say he has an intestinal blockage, but they think it's not serious enough to need surgery. State Department spokesperson Ned Price was asked yesterday about Bolsonaro's visa status. He declined to comment, but had this to say. Leaving individuals aside, and generally speaking, uh, if someone entered the United States on an A visa, which is essentially a, a diplomatic visa for uh, foreign diplomats or heads of state, uh, an A visa holder, uh, if an A visa holder is no longer engaged in official business on behalf of their government, it is incumbent on that visa holder to depart the U.S. or to request a change uh, to another immigration status within 30 days. Bolsonaro has not yet conceded defeat to Lula. However, the former president did authorize his chief of staff to begin a transition and has said he would abide by Brazil's constitution. Police in Brazil surrounded and cleared a camp of protesters who backed Bolsonaro in the capital yesterday. At least 1,200 people have been arrested at the makeshift camp outside the army headquarters in Brasilia. And coming up, torrential downpours continue in California. Tens of thousands of people were evacuated from areas along the coast. And China suspended visas for South Korean travelers. That in reaction to South Korea's restrictions on mainland Chinese travelers. Stay tuned for more right here on NTD Good Morning. Good to have you back with us. Around 25,000 people in 17 regions of California were ordered to evacuate on Monday after torrential rains caused heightened mudslide hazards. Included in the evacuation was the entire town of Montecito and nearby areas of the Santa Barbara coast. Concerns are the recent downpours could unleash lethal cascades of mud, boulders and other debris in hillsides stripped bare of vegetation by past wildfires. At least a dozen people have died over the past 10 days, including a toddler who was killed when a redwood tree blew over his family's trailer home last week. President Biden has approved an emergency declaration authorizing FEMA to coordinate disaster relief efforts and mobilize emergency resources in California. Probably about nine feet up and it's going to go another two feet up. We have horses ready 
Montecito, where DeGeneres lives, is under mandatory evacuation. It's been five years since mudslides from heavy rains struck newly fire-scarred slopes and canyons there. That resulted in widespread damage and killed more than 20 people. An unnamed 46-year-old Texas man shot and killed a robbery suspect last week at a restaurant in southwest Houston. Yesterday, the man was brought in for questioning by Houston police. Police were called to a shooting at El Ranchito No. 4 Taqueria at about 11.30 p.m. last Thursday. They found the suspect shot multiple times inside the business when they arrived. The suspect has been identified as Eric Washington. He was dressed in all black, including a black ski mask and black gloves. Witnesses told the police that the suspect entered the restaurant and began robbing the customers at gunpoint, but one of the pa patrons pulled out his own gun and shot the suspect multiple times. That shooter then returned the stolen money. Authorities asked for public's help to identify the shooter. They released surveillance photos of the man and his truck on social media. Since he was not arrested or charged, his identity is not being released. His case will be referred to a grand jury. According to the Texas Penal Code, using force against another is justified when the actor is committing or attempting to commit a variety of aggravated crimes, including robbery. But a plot twist, the weapon recovered from the suspect wasn't even a real gun. It will be interesting to see how all this plays out. New Jersey and Ohio are banning the use of TikTok on government-owned and managed devices. They join a growing list of states that have done the same. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy is also banning software, vendors, products, and services from more than a dozen vendors. Those include Huawei, Hikvision, ZTE Corporation, and Kaspersky Lab. Murphy's office says there are national security concerns about user data that the Chinese regime might require parent company ByteDance to provide. Talking about the Chinese regime, it stopped issuing visas today for South Koreans. It's, that's retaliation for travel restrictions on arrivals from China. A brief notice from the Chinese embassy in Seoul said the measures will be adjusted if South Korea cancels its, dis its discriminatory entry restrictions on China. No other details were given. The ban would also affect Japanese travelers. In recent weeks, more than a dozen countries have followed the U.S. in requiring negative tests for travelers coming from China. South Korea took it a step further. The country sus suspended short-term visa applications from its consulates in China until the end of the month. The Chinese Communist Party has threatened to retaliate against these countries. At a daily briefing, foreign ministry spokesperson said the Chinese regime firmly rejected these restrictions and is taking reciprocal measures. All this while China is facing a major outbreak across the country. Yes, on January 9th, a local health department in Hunan province said that by January 6th, 89% of the whole province was infected with COVID. 89.1% were in the cities and 88.9% were in rural areas. And Henan is a province in central China with a population of nearly 100 million people. That means over 88 million people are infected. And in other news, at least 17 people were killed in clashes with police in southern Peru. That makes it the deadliest day so far of protests demanding early elections and the release of jailed former President Pedro Castillo. Please note the following footage contains graphic content. The clashes broke out in the southern city of Juliaca, where demonstrators calling for the release of jailed former president Pedro Castillo used improvised slingshots to throw rocks at police. Footage showed people with severe injuries in a crowded hospital waiting room. One man had a wound on his leg. 
Authorities said two teenagers were among the dead. The latest casualties take the death toll from the protests to 39 since they began in early December. The unrest was sparked by the removal from office and arrest of Castillo after he tried to illegally dissolve Congress. He is now serving 18 months of pre-trial detention on charges of rebellion, which he denies. As well as calling for his release, the protesters want President Dina Bolarte to resign, Congress to be closed, a new constitution and early elections. A first attempt to launch satellites from Western Europe failed in the early hours on Tuesday. Virgin Orbit said an anomaly had prevented its rocket from reaching orbit after its historic launch from a British coastal town. A crowd had gathered in the coastal town of Newquay in southwest England to cheer on the historic mission. In the so-called horizontal launch, a modified Boeing 747 named Cosmic Girl carried Virgin's Launcher 1 rocket under its wing before releasing it over the Atlantic Ocean. Virgin Orbit, part owned by British billionaire Richard Branson, also livestreamed the mission. But then the company's director of systems engineering and verification, Christopher Relf, delivered the bad news. It appears that Launcher 1 has suffered an anomaly which will prevent us from making orbit for this mission. Uh, we are looking at the information and data that we have uh, gotten. The company later said the Cosmic Girl carrier and its crew had safely returned to New Key Spaceport, but gave no further detail on the status of the rocket and its payload of nine satellites. The UK Space Agency's commercial space director, Matt Archer, said a first-stage burn had taken the rocket into space, but the second-stage engine had a, quote, technical anomaly and didn't reach the required orbit. Up next on a homestead in Tennessee, four lucky kids are getting the education of a lifetime. Their mom is teaching them what her grandmother passed on to her. Find out more after the break. Welcome back. In Tennessee, a homesteading mom is teaching her four kids the self-sufficiency lessons that her parents' generation missed out on. On their 23-and-a-half-acre farm, hard work and dedication are keeping alive the skills that served her ancestors. When high school sweethearts Courtney and Samuel Black were younger, both their maternal grandparents had farms right next to each other. When the two finally got married and had children, Courtney started thinking of the lessons she got from her grandmother. She wanted the lessons of self-sufficiency and respect of the land to be passed to her children. We try to teach them every step along the way so that they see when we put it on their dinner plate that, hey, look, this, this is why we do what we do. And, you know, especially when it comes to meat, we do it because of the humane sacrifice that that animal um, has given us. Growing up on the farm, Courtney and Samuel's children understand where food comes from, just like when their four-year-old drank store-bought milk for the first time. And she knew that milk came from, it didn't come from a jug, it didn't come from a grocery store, it came from an animal, and she was asking, Where, where's your animal? <laughs> so it was just something I'll never forget, that my kids don't have that disconnect, and they know that because they see it every day. The children are learning the skills that can make food. We used to say that, well, we make all our food from scratch, but now we make our ingredients. I just grew up going to the grocery store and we just got mayonnaise. Or I just went and got butter from the fridge. You know, like, it wasn't like I knew how to make that ingredient, but now my children do. 
Courtney wants her children to have the skills to survive and to always have food. Or the grocery stores just don't have it because let's be honest, there's grocery stores in America right now that just don't have what we need. The farm uses a design called permaculture, which improves sustainability and reduces degradation of the soil. So the children are also learning how, by working with nature's cycles, they can keep the soil, plants, animals and themselves healthy. Our garden is called a Back to Eden style garden and we keep layering the wood chips and the compost and the cow manure and so it all works together to feed the soil back so that the soil can feed us. All those microorganisms that work in the soil to make it better, all that's giving nutrients back into our plants. The lessons Courtney gives to her children were handed down to her by her grandmother and she passes down a tradition of invaluable skill and knowledge. Number one, I, I don't want my culture to die. That's, that's my culture, that's what I grew up with, was learning to can and forage and do all that. Ultimately though, the homestead life is about family. We work together to eat together. The homestead is bringing the family closer to their food, to the earth and to their culture. Flinders Kingsley, NTD News. Wow, living off the land is so great. You know, it must be so nice eating that fresh produce out of the garden, like the okra I grew. It was so fresh. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. you have a homestead life. <laughs> um, for sure. I, I think that's a great way for the kids to grow up as well, you know? Oh, yeah. It teaches them work ethic. It's a lot of work tilling that soil. The environment and everything. Such a dream. <laughs> fresh air. It's going to be good for them. Yeah. All right. That's it for today. Write us at goodmorning at ntd.com if you have anything that you would like to share with us. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.